0: Welcome to the show that delves deep into the archives to bring you the best of WrestleMania. This week... We're focusing on a tone-deaf event that exploited an extremely serious and sad real-life situation for financial gain. No, it's not our review of Crown Jewel. We're talking WrestleMania 7. Yep, we're back in 1991. The Gulf War has recently ended, and thus the natural move for Vince McMahon to make is to cash in on the conflict by presenting WrestleMania stars and stripes forever. That's right, Iraqi sympathiser Sergeant Slaughter put the WWF title on the line against future Saudi sympathiser Hulk Hogan in the main event of a mammoth card. Fourteen matches were shown on TV. It went down on March 24th, 1991, in front of a crowd of 16,158 at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. That, after the venue was changed from the 100,000-seater Coliseum, WWF insisted that was for security reasons, i.e. a terror threat from an actual Iraqi sympathiser. Popular conception is that it was due to poor ticket sales. The venue was decked out in red, white and blue and the theme is Go USA! As well as Hogan and Slaughter, we also had the Rockers, Mr Perfect, Big Boss Man, Jake Roberts and many more on the card. Believe it or not, we even got a half-decent match from The Ultimate Warrior. Speaking of half-decent, I've got a panel alongside me. Anton Tolui is away hosting a DDP yoga workshop with his friend Paige at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. So in his place, playing Bobby Lashley to Anton's John Cena, it's PU original John Ashdown. Hi there. And alongside John, an impeccably dressed individual who will one day have his own fragrance, is the model Karl Anker. Hello. And last but not least, the only heart she's not keen on is Jimmy, which means she's in for a tough ride this week. It's wrestling author and doctor, Carrie Dunn. Hello. Let's start at the finish then. As I mentioned, the main event saw WWF champion Sergeant Slaughter put the title on the line against the all-American hero Hulk Hogan. Um, Who'd like to explain the story behind this match, which even by WWF standards was in, in very poor taste, Carl? Uh,
2: so coming out of WrestleMania six, the Ultimate Warrior is the champion. Um, during this time, hold, held, holds the belt until the Royal Rumble, I believe. At which point, um, Sergeant Salt returns and goes from being an all-American sergeant. <laughs> um, to uh, being a, an Iraqi sympathizer. He allies himself with the Iron Sheik. Um, he, his boots, he goes from the, the regulation um, wrestling boots to the um, sort of jester boots with the curl tips because that's how you show that someone is from that part of the world, I guess. They were a gift from Saddam Hussein himself. <sighs> wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um Slaughter does that Slaughter battles El Top Warrior at the Royal Rumble he is victorious due to some interference from Randy Savage um, uh, and yeah is a one of the most detested heels in WWE history um, apparently during this run Sergeant Slaughter got del- um serious death threats this is in that weird time where they say kayfabe was still real it wasn't but there was enough of kayfabe to go around for some a lot of people to still truly believe that Sergeant law had become an iraqi sympathizer during the era of the first gulf war um and it apparently what had occurred was had incensed hulk hogan so much that he decided to return from whatever entertainment thing he was doing be it past the mania or filming another terrible film um to come out of quasi retirement and take on Sergeant Slaughter and fight for america's honor that was the setup for this match and this match was 20 minutes of punch kick punch punch kick pose rest hold hulk up hooray
0: john the the anti-american foreign menace is not a new gimmick by any means wasn't at this point but the fact that you know American soldiers were dying months earlier, meant that even
1: by wrestling standards, this was a a bit of a stretch in terms of uh, the boundaries of good taste. Yeah, I mean, given it was a, an actual conflict um, that was over by the time of, of of WrestleMania, nevertheless, it's 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 horrendous, really. Um, you yeah. know, American soldiers, but also you know, innocent. Uh, Kuwaitis and Iraqis caught up in that uh, conflict as well. Um, so when Hogan rips the Iraqi flag during the uh, the main event, it just makes you completely wince and uh, uh, feel a bit ill, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, the cheapest of sort of cheap heat. Look at the look at the uh, foreigner over there, or look at the turncoat. Um, and here comes America to save the day. Yeah, it's pretty grim. I liked, Carrie, how they refused to burn the American flag or apparently slaughtered it in the build, even though
0: that had recently been legalised. Um, <laughs> so they burned a Hulk Hogan t-shirt instead. But then at the end of the match, Hogan realises he's bleeding, gets something to wipe the blood off, and it turns <laughs> out to be the American flag. It's like the greatest Hogan botchamania ever. So there was kind of a little bit of comedy in there with it. But, I mean, we shouldn't forget that General Adnan was alongside Sergeant Slaughter, who was a legit associate of Saddam Hussein by all accounts. Um, Vince McMahon just doesn't get that real life and fiction are different things and sometimes it's not good to mix the two.
3: No, Vince McMahon, WWF, WWE in general, have no grasp that reality and wrestling are separate things, that there are some things that should not be uh, dealt with uh, in a wrestling show. it's, it's egregious, isn't it? The whole thing is just, oh, just terrible.
0: So why is Regis Philbin on commentary? <laughs> for it? American sort of talk show host, longest time associate of, of the WWF, WWE. Lots of celebrities pulled out of this event because of this. The USO, which broadcasts stuff for Troops Abroad, refused to broadcast it. Regis was all right with it, though.
3: Yeah, do you know who else is all right with it? Donald Trump! Shocker. Seriously, when Trump turns up, I, I, should, I should have guessed that was going to happen because Marla Maples is in from the start and literally the only thing she is famous for is having married Donald Trump. So I'm, I should have known he was going to show up and yet I didn't and then he did and that was also terrible.
1: John, what, what do you think about Regis Philbin? Well, I thought in his defence, um, there's a point in the match when uh, Slaughter's got a, I think it's a Boston Crab on, right next to the ropes. Commentators aren't mentioning it. Hulk Hogan is not going for the ropes and Regis Philbin has to say why isn't he going for the ropes (laughs) Um, which (laughs) must be a low spot on Gorilla and uh, and Bobby on commentary certainly Uh, hats off to Regis Well, if that was in something that isn't, our
0: friends at Beer 52, they're so enamoured with you, brothers and sisters of Parts Unknown, they want to give you some free beer. And not just any beer, craft beer, and not just any craft beer, a case of craft beer for free. Beer 52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. Sign up now at beer52.com slash parts unknown and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and beer. 52's award-winning magazine ferment all you have to do is pay 5.95 for delivery and if you decide that after this free taster the club isn't for you there's no catch no heel turn no stips you can leave beer 52 at any time just head to beer 52.com slash parts unknown and enter the offer code parts unknown to claim your free case today that's beer 52.com Uh, Next, I want to talk about the retirement match which saw the Ultimate Warrior defeat Randy Savage with Queen Sherry. A 20-minute Warrior match, Carl, was enough to make me shudder on the face of
2: things, but this was all right. This is all right because Randy Savage plans every wrestling match meticulously. Um, So he's not the the off-the-cuff core audibles in matches a la Undertaker, Chris Jericho or, or other wrestlers nowadays. But when Randy Savage does a match, it generally tends to be very, very good. Um, Ultimate Warrior is botch prone and doesn't seem to understand how wrestling works but seems to behave himself in this match one thing I will point out Sensational Sherry wow that is an incredible performance from a manager (laughs) how she slowly grows in and out of influence throughout the match so there's a number of times where um, so in storyline the match is, is called in part because when Warrior was the champion uh, ahead of the Rumble, uh, Sherry asked for a title match. Warrior said no. Brought about no. <laughs>
0: Sorry. And and, and when <laughs> Sherry asked for that, we saw this on the hype video. It looked a lot like she was sort of giving him a blowjob.
2: She so she is a very interesting character in early WrestleMania it's
0: pre-attitude because, era kind of character at this point.
2: Yes. So she a lot of these hogan i'll call these hogan era wrestlemanias then no blood no sex and the suggestion of sex is nowhere near explicit as what you get in the attitude and whatnot but sherry walks quite up to the line but she has this different energy to her so it's sort of if you i can imagine being in my like pre-puberty looking at sherry going huh and looking at my crotch. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Macho Man had been heel for two years at this time. So he he split from Miss Elizabeth and to align himself as a heel and being like, I don't really care about anyone else. He, he's aligning himself with Sherry. He became much more sexed up. He started wearing more and more outlandish clothing. He didn't really care for anyone else. And Sherry more or less led him in a Lady Macbeth style um, jaunt around WWE. And then in this match, she very much is the only reason why Savage is able to keep up with the ultimate warrior because the entire match is ultimate warrior is stronger than savage but it's only sherry throwing shoes distracting the referee and more or less beating up the ultimate warrior that savage is able to keep step it's a it's almost proto china position that sherry has here and i i just love watching sherry
0: we'll get to um the other add-ons around the match in a bit but john the finish i mean Warrior just totally disrespecting Savage, who's taken him to one of his best matches ever. Um, talk us through that, and and try not to
1: use the phrase "classic warrior." <laughs> no, I like the finish. I think that's. I don't see why not. Like Savage, at the time thought he was stepping away to to have a family, and you know wasn't necessarily going to come back. Um, and it gets over the fact that. You know, Macho had nothing left. You know, he's just, he's just done. It's slightly odd in the fact that he has to sort of roll him back into the ring, so nobody's really expecting it. And Heenan's kind of sort of slightly talking over it as well on commentary. But I, I love that, that visual. I think that's a, one of the sort of more iconic
2: early WrestleMania visuals, really. Um, Four spears. And then Ultimate Warrior pins Savage by placing his foot on his chest, which I didn't particularly care for. They do this a lot in uh, New Japan and Japanese wrestling of you have to hit a lot of finishes to put someone down in a massive match because you understand. It's one part, you know, respect. Another part of, you know, you have to double tap to make sure the bad guy is dead. Um, So Savage hit four elbows. Five. Five five elbows on Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior gives a two count and then Ultimate Warrior hits four of his spears. That's right, yeah. Onto Savage and then doesn't even bother hooking the leg. Which in you know in keeping of the story of Savage is no longer strong, is fine. But there is something about the way Warrior does it, with just his foot. And I'm like, Well no, I don't like you. Yeah, it's a bit rude, isn't it? But I think that's I think that's more to do with me not liking Ultimate Warrior forever rather than and me very much liking Randy Savage.
0: Warrior had um, pictures of himself and Savage on his knee pads. Apparently that's something he nicked off Rick Rude, but obviously it's something we see kind of nowadays with Velveteen Dream. So still still going. Carry on the WhatsApp group, you wanted to talk about Elizabeth. So explain how she fitted into this match, the story around that. It's going to end very sad, but it was a key <laughs> part of the match.
3: Yeah, um... So Miss Elizabeth is supposedly kind of not involved in this. She's just there as an onlooker. She's in the crowd. She's got her her nice smart jumper on. I mean, she's just sitting there as a fan watching that she gets. She couldn't
0: look less like a wrestling fan if she tried. I love her,
3: but that's one of the odd things about Miss Elizabeth is she's never looked like she fitted into wrestling, which is what kind of made her an interesting character. And Carl and I were talking about this earlier off air. She's just such an interesting thing to see in a wrestling show because she's so different from anything else you have ever seen or ever will see in wrestling so she's sitting there in the crowd look, looking very very odd in her nice jumper looking um, more and more concerned for, for Randy as as the match goes on and i was actually got really weepy watching this because obviously you know how miss elizabeth's story ends you see this you know fantastic reunion um you see matchaman holding the ropes open for her to get out of the ring for the first time and that's just lovely and then so
0: this is after he's savage's lost sherry yes. turned on him she comes in to make the save yes
3: yeah, so miss elizabeth make, makes the save he's not quite sure who it is realises that Elizabeth, they have this yeah, big reunion, he holds the ropes open, she um, goes through the ropes and they have this lovely exit, but you know what's going to happen to her and it's just so, so sad. So, obviously, their real-life relationship broke up. Their real-life relationship was not a good one. It's- Apparently,
0: they legally
2: separated to uh, enhance the kayfabe for this match.
3: It's so weird.
2: They- he confirmed <laughs> their de- so. They had they had the on screen marriage in nineteen ninety one a bit later at Survivor. No, Summer Sun. They're the, they're the match made in heaven and Ma- match made the in, match in heaven. Made in and well. then yeah. in uh, issue of WWE Magazine in nineteen ninety two, he confirms they divorced. Well, but they had been long estranged, well before this uh, reconciliation. At the crowd is white hot for mm-hmm. this. There, there's a bit uh, where Savage puts Miss Elizabeth on his shoulder. It's amazing. And it cuts a, a member of the crowd and they are crying. They are bawling out. Um and I've I've spoken before on this podcast about how wrestling re- reactions seem to just be a lot more intense before the internet. And I've you know I've heard about this thing. I went, Oh yeah well I expect to see some more pre-internet reactions. And then you watch it and then you f- I found myself going, No, I I care. That's mom and dad in a, in a like that's like wrestling, mum and They they were like the first on-screen couple to do stuff, and then that reunion again. Savage had been away from Miss Elizabeth for two years in in wrestling. They he had been a heel for two years, and by getting back with Miss Elizabeth, he'd instantly become a, a face again. And that is your that is for a lot of people their first favourite wrestler becoming a face again, reuniting with Miss Elizabeth throughout the, the time. You know, if you were a young man of that age, Miss Elizabeth was probably your very first crush as well. So you are hot eyes everywhere.
3: But then you, you mentioned that kind of in- internet. I wonder if the internet had been around then, would we have felt the same about Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth? Because we know now what a very unhealthy relationship theirs was. So would we have taken it as a face turn for them to be reunited? Because Macho Man is... N- not necessarily a good person for Miss Elizabeth to be with. No,
2: and something that that I I wrote in my notes was how, yes, he does, for the very, very first time, hold the ropes open for Miss Elizabeth to exit the ring. But one, he holds the bottom rope open so Miss Elizabeth exits the ring lower than he normally exits the ring. And then he stays in the ring and soaks up some applause more rather than immediately goes with Miss Elizabeth so they can leave the ring together, which is a little thing of, no, savage, you've just got back with your with your lady go be with your lady don't soak up any more adulation go go be the hero that you're supposed to be outside of this but again it speaks to savage couldn't really live without that adulation and that's why he was so meticulous and that's why he planned his matches to that degree and that's why he was so if you dare speak of miss elizabeth i'll hit you in the face which on screen made him an amazing wrestling character but now we know off-screen made him not a nice person and i should stop trying to qualify that with not a nice person because if i if i'm on this podcast talking about hogan being this and that and this and that and other people being this and that and this and that i should be able to say match Man Randy savage was a pretty bad ter- no was a bad person why That's is what, that so hard for me to say you said it well done um most people in wrestling are is kind of what we're
0: discovering last word on this to you, John. Obviously, Savage didn't actually retire because wrestling. Um, he came back initially as a commentator, then hung around for a bit before he was told he was too old and packed off to WCW.
1: Yeah, so he sort of he ends up only really um, taking the summer off. Um, the plan was to, as, well, as I understand it anyway, was to get off the steroids so that they could him and Liz could have a, a child. Oh because you can't you can't conceive while steroids are reducing something in your body with it. Etc. and so forth. Didn't work, and by sort of Survivor Series, he's back feuding with Jake the Snake. Um, and then, you know, back into the main event picture, you know, uh, what, a year later, yeah. As for Ultimate Warrior? Yeah, so he goes on to um, SummerSlam, joins up with, uh, uh, with the Hulkster, and because we haven't driven the Iraq War into the ground enough, um, they take on Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and the returning uh, Iron Sheik in a handicap match that is a real stinker.
0: Welcome back to Parts Unknown. It's that time where I ask you kindly to please leave us a five-star review if you think we're worth it. I'll be honest, I'm not sure why it's such a big deal, but every other podcast out there asks for them, and I don't want to feel left out. Back to WrestleMania 7 then, a long old show, so we'll whiz through some of the matches... Genichiro Tenryu and Koji Katao, apologies to those two, beat Demolition, Crush and Smash, with Mr Fuji. Earthquake, with Jimmy Hart, defeated Greg Valentine. Virgil, with Roddy Piper, beat Ted DiBiase by Countout. The British Bulldog went <laughs> over the Warlord, with Slick. The Legion of Doom squashed Paul Roma and Hercules, aka The Power and the Glory. And Tito Santana did the J-O-B to the Mountie. This WrestleMania might as well have been billed. WrestleMania 7, it's crass, and there's loads of Jimmy Hart. The Mouth of the (laughs) South was at ringside for three separate matches here, one of which I want to discuss, not because it was particularly interesting in the ring, but the story of the two men involved certainly is. Texas Tornado beat Dino Bravo in three minutes. Dino Bravo, Carrie, tell us a bit about this guy and why we're interested in the real-life man behind the gimmick.
3: Okay, so know Bravo, I guess we're talking about him because of his rather sticky end. Um, apparently bumped off by the mafia, I, I believe the story is.
0: Cigarette deal gone awry, hit by 17 bullets, 7 to the head, 10 to the torso.
3: Yeah, that's horrible.
0: It's a different wrestling death at least for us to talk about, I suppose. Um, well,
3: Texas Tornado gives us a, 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 a one that we're very used to seeing now. Yeah, sadly. Kerry
0: Von Erich, this is our first look at a Von Erich. Um, killed himself two years after this at the age of 33 after he'd become addicted to painkillers following major surgery, including having a foot amputated. He actually kept that secret, carried on wrestling with a prosthetic on, uh, but he got addicted to painkillers. Carl, ages ago on, I forget the show, but it must have been when one of the Von Eriks were inducted into the Hall of Fame. You told us about a great article on either The Ringer or Deadspin about about the family. Tell us again. On
2: The, on the Ringer. So David Shoemaker from The Ringer has a book called Life and uh, Death in the Square Circle. So every chapter, it, it tells the history of wrestling from the Funfair era up until 2004. And every chapter is named after a wrestler who's no longer with us. Um, and the chapter on Kerry Von Erich details the the fate and the lives of every member of the Von Erich family, Kerry Von Erich. um, Interesting. Von Erich is their wrestling name. It's kayfabe. Uh, And it was the heel gimmick of the territorial era in in Texas. Essentially, they were so good technically in the ring that the Nazi sympathizers thing dropped and Von Erich just became the family name. Um, They all had the Iron Claw as a finishing move, so just a straight arm to your head as a submission move some use it as their finishers others use it as a submission variant um, they are to Texas what Jerry Lawler is to Memphis what Bret Hart is to, to Calgary and in, in what the Legion of Doom apparently are to every single territorial era phenomenally talented wrestler he wrestled the 1992 Royal Rumble on one foot and you will not notice if you watch the ninety two Royal Rumble he was that technically proficient you can look up photographs of him and in in 1989 in ninety one, and look at him go yeah I can see why you you were a champion I can see why everyone loved you and I can see why you probably should have been Hulk Hogan because he has the look he has the technical ability he has the promo ability he also what makes the tragedy sadder is he seemed to be a decent human being Comparative to many other wrestlers, um, but couldn't get it together. and the Voronerick family are, are a tragedy.
0: Elsewhere on the show, Jake Roberts defeated Rick Martel in a blindfold match. John, tell us how, how this stipulation
1: came to be. The, the, one of the greatest ever builds To one of the greatest ever Wrestlemania matches I think we'll all agree <laughs> um, So Jake was sprayed in the eye With arrogance The model's <laughs> fragrance on a brother love show um, Basically in the summer Prior to this So this is a nine month kind of build um, And the model had sort of run from him uh, Previously he Was apparently blinded In this uh, this attack Blinded by arrogance What That's a way to go <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so to make things fair you uh, have to have, they had to whack on some blindfolds and deliver an absolute masterclass i genuinely mean, i i love this match oh, so much it's fantastic. it's really for, for what
0: obviously they're not blindfolded they've got the hoods on that you'd wear if you were about to be executed which is a slightly <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> visual um but the crowd were so into this match and they worked a good match given the gimmick which should have made it a bad match.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, last week we gave uh, Rick Martell some props and this week his performance in this match is a sort of comedy wrestling, a genuine, genuinely a masterclass. The When he runs straight into the ropes at one point, there's an elbow drop after a slam where Jake's already rolled out the way. Uh, he swings a chair at a ring post, think having backed into it thinking it's thinking it's Jake. It's just fantastic. Um and you can see you can see
2: why um I don't know if I didn't have a point then I just started the sentence. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's wrestling panto. So you've got so Martell is very much shaking around and, and like scratching at air trying to find Jake and Jake in that whole I'm the cleverest person. So in in the primary, he goes snakes do it better in the dark, which I have I have no idea if snakes have a greater sense in the dark, but when Jake the Snake says it, I'm going to put down my phone and believe him. Um, so Rick Martell is swiping at air, trying to constantly find where Jake is, whereas Jake does these very long arm sweeps of the ring, and then basically he can hear from the crowd. So the crowd will get increasingly louder and start screaming when Jake's finger like gets into Martell's eye line. And he's like, oh, he's there. Let me like slowly creep towards him. And it, it speaks to Jake's ability to manipulate a crowd Rick Martel's ability to play on the fact that he's meant to be an idiot. So he's also using the crowd to great effect by just not being smart enough to do that. Um, Martel gets in quite a lot of offense. He does a couple of body slams, realizes that weaponry is important. Um, there's a great bit where Bobby Heenan goes, Why doesn't Rick just lift up the hood? And is like, No, but he's a cheat. He goes, Yeah, but you know, you're fighting Jake the Snake, he's got a five hundred pound snake in the corner. He goes, You're a broadcast journalist, you got you got dignity. And Rick, but he's like, No, if you fight Jake the Snake, you have to cheat, which is just a great Yeah, because Jake is just otherworldly. Um, it's wrestling panto and I never ever want to see a match like that on a pay-per-view ever again, but I'll gladly watch that gimmick match played as part of the beginning of a feud on an episode of raw all right um carrie we kind of
0: opined during his era that maybe kurt angle is the wrestlemania goat is jake the snake roberts one of if not the most underrated contributors
3: i think so um i think because jake's wrestling career was kind of so troubled as we've discussed previously and because it didn't have kind of defined arc because he had to step away for various reasons and he's never been able to have that kind of big comeback either. So he had, didn't have the longevity, I suppose. Um, I think that has led to him being underrated. But yes, I would agree with that.
0: The Undertaker defeated Jimmy Snooker. Big win for Taker. Snooker pretty old at this point, but but still a name. Best Taker match we've seen in a while.
2: It's his debut, is it not? Yeah. It's a, This is the... F- this is the last time we'll get to talk about Undertaker yeah, on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I feel I feel like a weight just lifting off my shoulders. It's a good. Bit. It's good to know that there'll be no more Undertaker. But what a debut. When that match starts and he fixes eyes with Jimmy Sn- snooker, I'm like, Ah, that's why you were able to absorb all of these bad matches and never have someone go, You're gonna lose next year because Taker Taker can stare and taker can jump and take can bump. Uh, There's a bit where he sets up Snooker for a clothesline. Snooker's nowhere near it. And he just leaps six foot in the air, flings himself in a manner that looks as if it makes contact. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, we spoke on WrestleMania nine about how another big guy can't move because their knees are shot. And we, you know, I'm talking well about Taker for a while, but to be that size and to be that agile and to, be able to be so in control of your gimmick and how you can control someone with just the stare that early on in your career, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Snooker, John,
0: uh, Tamina's dad currently getting a bit of a, a mini push. Is there an industry
1: anywhere in the world more reliant on nepotism than professional <laughs> wrestling? <laughs> yeah, it kind of helps, doesn't it? If you've got a, a, a dad who owned the territory or uh, somebody who uh, knows the guys in charge. Um, yeah, obviously snooker's way past his uh, past his prime at this point um but it's interesting really because if you sort of i guess if you sort of almost if you just talk through the moves of the match in a way the undertaker's not treated any different to say the mountie or uh, uh texas tornado in the you know it's just like a squash match but the way he does it and the way the commentators put him over you can tell like this guy's going places
0: in terms of tag team offerings, the show kicked off with the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels beating the Barbarian and Haku—the last Rockers Mania match. Um, Carrie, tell us about Marty Jannetty. He didn't feature at WrestleMania Nine because he got sacked. He's kind of—I don't know—he's kind of tragic, but he's—he's he's such a prat, isn't he? I mean, is he—is he having sex with his cousin or something at
2: the moment? Who's like fifteen? Very self-inflicted. Um, so Marty Jannetty now is. Carrie, would you like to tell the story of when the Rockers split?
3: Well, the whole barbershop window thing? As... I, I can't. It's, <laughs> I mean, Matt, you're right. He is a prat and it's terrible. But I really feel bad for him that his entire life and career has become a punchline. So whenever a tag team is successful, people will talk about who's going to be the Genetti of that group. He's
0: the, he's, he's like Andrew Ridgely in wrestling. He, actually,
3: is, okay, the Ridgely, he is the Andrew
2: Ridgely. He's the second banana.
3: He is. And... Yes, he's a prat, and yes, a lot of it is brought on himself. But it's really sad, <laughs> you know. Poor Marty Janetti didn't really do anything wrong apart from not being Shawn Michaels, did he?
0: But he kind of John lived the Ric Flair lifestyle without the ability to make money. That <laughs> <Rick Flair's laughs> without <called>. the talent, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, No, it, well, he was one of those. I think he's one of those guys where, in the tag team with with Shawn, they're brilliant together, and then individually, you can. Clearly, see that Sean's got the got the stuff, and yeah, I mean, who knows if it, if he away from the ring, if he'd sort of lived life slightly differently,
2: um, you know, would it have made a difference? I mean, I don't know really. He had a vaguely successful singles career. He, he wins TV titles. He wins mid-card belts. He was fine. He's he's given, and I think he's given further opportunity. But he breaks wellness policy. He drinks a lot. He spends a lot of money. He has a lot of fights with a lot of people in the locker room and he doesn't have the cachet that a lot of people in the locker room doing that stuff were. Like there are terrible there are dickheads in that locker room. My Janae was not doing anything that Sean Michaels wasn't doing in that cha- in that locker room at the time. However, Sean Michaels could also hit a moonsault. Jannetti couldn't, so that meant Jannetti was never gonna be anywhere.
3: Yeah, it becomes kind of more expendable. But yeah, cachet is exactly the word I was thinking of while you were saying that. Yeah, he's not doing anything different to anybody else, and he, but he hasn't got the protectors. We're coming back to that nepotism thing again, aren't we? Um, He hasn't got anyone there who's going to stand up for him and say, no, he's our mate, we'll keep him. And he just has this downward slide.
2: Yeah, He's currently um on various social medias claiming he's worth $3 million. It's a quintessential Giannetti thing. Marty Giannetti said his daughter was really hot. But that's overshadowed by the fact that Hulk Hogan did it first. <laughs> so even in like yeah. being gross and repulsive, he's still a second banana to someone else in wrestling. Which is ooh. I like the phrase second banana by the way. You drop that in twice like we should all know what it is. Where does that come from? Uh, it's a basketball term. So very much if if you got your your Michael Jordan point guard um shooting guard a point guard, then Scottie Pippen will be the second banana. The Batman to your Robin. If you're the Robin, you're the second banana.
0: Okay, thanks. Every day's a school day. In the tag title match, the Nasty Boys defeated the Hart Foundation. Jimmy Hart was here. Uh, he had a motorbike helmet on to help protect him from the Hart Foundation. Uh, the Nasty Boys won this by nefarious means. Uh, Carl said he didn't like them last week, John. to Tell us a bit uh, about <laughs> about Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags.
1: Well, I, I don't know what, what there is to say apart from uh, they end up being good mates with Hogan, and so have uh, very decent runs in both the uh, WWF <laughs> and WCW and I mean, TNA. Unbelievably, absolutely, yeah, still going years after this. Um, yeah, I mean here they're just very transitional champions because uh, LOD are getting the belts at SummerSlam, and uh, Bret's uh, penciled in for a for a, a singles run. Um, I thought it was I thought it was okay as a, as a match. The crowd were crowd were into it. There was a bit of a bit too much chin locking um and at the end because obviously the the nasty boys uh cheated to beat the the beat the heart foundation did you know it's the referee who was screwing brett earl Hebner? oh
0: nice um doctor your boy brett last time as a as a tag guy at mania here worked out pretty well for him not so much for the anvil who obviously passed away earlier this year but he's kind of like marty genetti actually just couldn't do What he'd done as a tag wrestler, as a singles guy.
3: I don't think Jim Neidhart ever expected a singles run, though. I think he always knew he was very fortunate to be where he was because of the family that he married into. So, yeah, not not as sad as Marty Gennetti, I don't think.
0: Yeah, good beard stroker as well,
2: wasn't it? Excellent ginger beard. Fantastic laugh. Fantastic laugh. Go
3: on, do it.
2: (laughs) Close enough. Um, Weird promo. Weird promo before this match. Uh, the, the WrestleMania 7 has a lot of promos where it's garbled metaphor and that's why you all lose so in this bit uh, Jim Nightheart goes uh, you want to defeat if you want to defeat something you need to get in the foundation and you want to get in cracks in the foundation the foundation's at the bottom and that's where you are Nasty Boys the bottom right, so you're saying the Nasty Boys is going to win <laughs> and there's there, like Brett does a couple of with like garbled metaphor and that's why and so is going to happen which is clearly that's an old territorial technique you go last Sunday night event happened and that's why next Monday I'm going to beat you up which is also a good way you should you know give a business presentation what happened before what are you going to do next <laughs> um, <laughs> promos very important <laughs>
0: Right, we're on the home stretch now. I do want to chat briefly about the Intercontinental title match, though. Big Boss Man defeated Mr Perfect by disqualification. Lord Alfred Hayes came out for commentary with Heenan playing manager at ringside here. Um, Andre the Giant comes out. To interfere midway through he kind of ambles up to heenan but doesn't get to him haku and the barbarian interfere for the dq andre and Bossman end standing tall um the key word i've written down here carrie is cluster
3: so i was saying earlier affair that i watched this when i was very very dosed up on painkillers so I hurt my back while I was doing my marathon training and I had to take a lot of very strong painkillers. I wasn't sure whether I'd actually imagine this, but no, no, I, I actually saw it. What a mess. Why, why are they... You know, obviously they're trying to get as many people on the card as possible, as as we've seen with their 14 matches. But what was this about?
0: And John, it's really sad to see Andre in this state. Obviously disinterested, but also obviously in a, a great amount of pain just at the prospect of walking.
1: Oh, it's 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 painful. I mean... <laughs> literally for him, I assume. I mean, he can't get round the ring without holding onto the side of the ring. Um, like, clearly can't actually get into the ring, because all the sort of stuff, he doesn't move into the ring at any point. He circles it, and then even afterwards, him and Bossman are sort of celebrating in the aisle way, essentially. Um, yeah, it's not the greatest uh, IC title match in WrestleMania history, that's for sure. Yeah, It kind of feels like the belt wasn't treated with that much deference over this little last batch
0: we've
2: been we've been looking at. That, that fair? It's it gets hot-shotted a lot. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Mr. Perfect can't stay fit. So Perfect, at this time, it was more or less the de facto intercontinental... Back problems, wasn't it, mainly for Champion, him. but he has back problems because he is carrying a lot of muscular weight that... Trying to keep up with the Hogans and whoever at the time, and he can't. And so his back just gives out. Um, so when Perfect is fit, Perfect is in the IC title picture and is the IC champion... And while this match isn't great, Perfect is bumping like a madman up and down. And he's doing, he gets hit by Andre Giant and completely 360 flips. And I'm just like, ah, huh, I thought people only learned how to do that in 2005. But Kurt Hanging's Kurt Hanging. He can do that. Um, Bossman, I will always love because I, I have a particular soft spot for bigs that are particularly agile, and Bossman always was. And I did like his promo with. Uh, how this match started because Mr. Perfect hurt his mum's feelings. And if you hurt my mum's feelings, you hurt my feelings too. Which is funny considering what (laughs) you did Mr. T got up and applauded (laughs) at that point. (laughs) Really funny considering what Boss Man did to Big Show's dad.
0: (laughs) Um, Overall then, let's kind of leave out the main event, which obviously is is something pretty heinous. Carrie, what did you think of the show as a whole?
3: Not as a whole, whole without the main event. 13
0: Uh, match card, let's call it.
3: Um... Too much, not explored properly, with some excellent bits. So, you know, it's WrestleMania,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not going to ask anyone else to sum it up, because that's pretty perfect. Carl, have you got a WrestleMania
2: moment? Uh, I think all of our WrestleMania moments going to be Savage and Elizabeth related. So but, that's yours? Um, so mine will be the, the fan, uh, the female fan who is bawling her eyes out when they are reunited. John? Didn't really have one, but I did like Lou Ferrigno talking
1: because you can't understand what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. And then he did say, it's better than the Olympics and the circus. Which is just... <laughs> Harry.
3: Well, mine's related to that, actually. The fact that <laughs> they're interviewing Luke Perigno and you can see Henry Winkler just looking round <laughs> him at the camera. It's amazing. Corkins here as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, he do no better. Henry Winkler, no excuse. Um, my WrestleMania moment, I'm going to try and quote this without laughing, but I, I honestly had to pick myself up from the floor. Pre-match <laughs> promo from the Legion of Doom before their match with Power and Glory. And Hawk says, Power and the glory, huh? When we're finished with you, you'll be sour and gory. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just thought that's the worst the worst joke I've ever heard. And therefore, brilliant. Carrie, where can people keep up with you on Twitter?
3: At Carrie Sparkle.
0: John? at John underscore Ashton and Carl and Command 616 I am at Matt Davis Adams we are at the PU podcast next time we're headed to the Skydome in Toronto for one of the most notorious manias ever that's right champion versus champion Hogan versus Warrior in the ultimate challenge we've also got Roddy Piper indulging in a spot of barely believable racism our first look at matches involving Dusty Rhodes and Rick Rude and plenty more besides until then thanks for your company I've been Matt Davis Adams you've been in parts unknown
2: The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.